0: Hello and welcome to another podcast from Rheumatology Consultant. Today, Dr. Lisa Samaritano, a professor of medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine and an attending rheumatologist at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City is going to discuss the special challenges that come with working with patients who are pregnant or who wish to become pregnant when they have systemic lupus erythematosus, and particularly when they have lupus nephritis. Is it true that many more women than men suffer from lupus and lupus nephritis?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, many autoimmune diseases have um, a, a high female to male ratio, but lupus has one of the highest. So for patients of reproductive age with lupus, the ratio of women to men is about nine to one. The ratio is somewhat lower for childhood onset lupus and onset of lupus in later years, but nine to one is the ratio uh, for the reproductive years, which is when lupus is most commonly
0: diagnosed. How does this complicate the whole issue of reproductive health for patients with this disease? Well, it is
1: an incredibly important area of health for women with lupus, and I think that over the past several years, more and more attention has been paid to this, not only in terms of pregnancy in patients with lupus, which has been looked at for many years and recognized to be a high-risk pregnancy for these patients, Um, But even in terms of contraception, fertility therapies, these are areas of reproductive medicine that also uh, can be more difficult or challenging for patients with lupus, depending on the specifics of their disease, their autoantibodies, their clinical status. So actually some years ago, um, I think it was 2016, the European uh, rheumatology group called ULAR, published um, some recommendations for reproductive health in patients with lupus. And in 2020, the American College of Rheumatology, our national rheumatology group, published a really comprehensive guideline on all aspects of reproductive health for women in lupus, ranging from contraception to fertility preservation and fertility treatment through pregnancy, and including uh, menopause and the question of hormonal replacement therapy for patients. So that was published just about one year ago now. And I think it has been a good reference and and guide for practicing rheumatologists who are honestly faced with these issues all of the time. And one of the problems with this particular area is that it really is the intersection of two specialties in medicine, right? It's obstetrics and gynecology issues, but lupus rheumatology patients. And so it's incredibly important that rheumatologists have some understanding of this because the obstetricians are not lupus doctors and they may not feel comfortable making decisions on their own for our lupus patients. So having some knowledge about this and, of course, collaborating with them for our patients and making the right decisions is incredibly
0: important. Do you try to work closely with your pregnant patients, OBGYNs? Absolutely. We have done that for many years,
1: starting with uh, Dr. Michael Lockshin, who has been at uh, Hospital for Special Surgery for many years and was one of the first preeminent researchers in the area of lupus and pregnancy, and he has been my mentor for many years. So from the time of my fellowship at HSS, I have focused on this, and we have always communicated and collaborated with our OBGYN colleagues for patient care. More recently, we formalized this with the formation of a rheumatology reproductive health program, where we have certain maternal fetal medicine specialists, we have uh, pure GYN specialists, we have reproductive endocrinologists who work closely with us, not only on patient care, but also on um, ongoing research projects, and also on both fellow or resident education and patient education. So we're really trying to educate people about the issues, clarify some of these questions in terms of our own research, and most importantly, optimize our our clinical care of these, at times, complicated patients.
0: In a previous podcast that you did with us, you mentioned that women with rheumatic diseases are actually less likely to use contraception. And if they do, they often use less effective contraception. Why is this the case? And does this also apply to women with lupus as well as those with other rheumatic diseases?
1: I think that um, this is, that statement is probably most true for patients with lupus. And there are, I think, a number of reasons, although we can't know for certain. One issue I think is that lupus is a complicated disease and visits to the rheumatologist are um, often focused on ongoing flare or inflammation, sometimes leaving little time for covering other less urgent issues. Another issue is that patients with lupus, for many years were told not to use estrogen containing contraception you know including the standard birth control pill and the reason for that is that again lupus affects women of childbearing age um, who have high estrogen levels at least during part of their cycle and there's long been a concern that estrogen might be driving some of the lupus inflammation There were case reports many years ago, also suggesting that patients might flare if they took birth control pills. And so birth control pills were off the table for a long time. In 2005, two studies were published, one of which I was involved with called the Selena study. And both studies found that for patients with quiet, well-controlled lupus who did not have antiphospholipid antibodies, which are antibodies that predispose to blood clots, that taking oral birth control pills did not increase the risk of flare. But that was in terms of the spectrum of use of birth control pills relatively recent. And then finally, rheumatologists don't know a lot about birth control. You know, we don't usually, or most of us don't usually read the uh, OBGYN literature. And so some rheumatologists aren't aware of the current recommendations for birth control, um, including the recommendation to use a long acting reversible form of birth control as a first option. Those include um, intrauterine devices or IUDs, Uh, as well as subdermal uh, progestin implants. So I think that without encouragement from the rheumatologist, patients may not know that this is okay for them. And their uh, OBGYN may not know it's okay for them either, and may just think, okay, I don't want to take any chances with causing a flare of lupus, I'm not going to recommend anything, you know, continue using your barrier contraception, which of course, is, is contraception and is effective, but not nearly as effective as either birth control pills or IUDs, you know, these other um, measures that really have much higher efficacy. So I think that it is likely a combination of all of these factors that um, have limited patients from using the most effective forms of birth control.
0: So, now let's add in the fact that lupus nephritis tends to present during the first few years after a diagnosis of lupus. Doesn't that mean that LN is often going to present during those prime years for childbearing? And how does that further complicate the care of patients who may want to have children? That is a very important point. It is true.
1: And it is one of the biggest challenges that we face for these patients. Lupus nephritis, when diagnosed, and it is diagnosed in up to 50% of patients with lupus at some point during their course, so it's not that it's uncommon or rare. When diagnosed, we treat usually for a period of two years with induction therapy, the stronger initial therapy to bring that inflammation under control followed by maintenance therapy, which is ongoing therapy to keep the inflammation under control. So that's a two-year period of time during which patients should not consider pregnancy and should be using very effective birth control. I will say that both of our best options for treatment of lupus nephritis are also medications that cannot be taken during pregnancy. So even aside from the risk to the patient of becoming pregnant when disease is active, there would also be a risk of birth defects, teratogenicity in the the baby. So the two drugs that are most commonly used are cyclophosphamide and mycophenolate. Cyclophosphamide is also a medication that, while used less commonly now than in the past, can decrease a woman's fertility. So that's another important aspect of, you know, reproductive health concerns for our patients who do need that particular medication to treat their lupus. Since more recent studies showed that mycophenolate is as effective for most patients. I I think that's a much more frequently used treatment for lupus nephritis at this time. But again, it is teratogenic. It does require effective birth control. And there are some concerns that it can interfere with estrogen and progesterone in the birth control pill and maybe make it less effective. So actually there is a um, a REMS program that is basically an informational program for doctors and patients going over the most effective methods of birth control for use with this drug. Um, And in general, either an IUD or use of two other methods of birth control um, is recommended. So that's two years more or less Uh, depending on the patient's response, of course. And then after that, we need to think about how to protect our patients, but still hopefully allow them to proceed with their plans for pregnancy. What is usually done is a change to a pregnancy-compatible medication, azathioprine, and that is okay to take during pregnancy and during breastfeeding also. So what we often will do is transition from the mycophenolate to azathioprine, and then again, watch patients carefully to make sure number one, they tolerate the azathioprine without side effects. And number two, that it works for them. You know, it doesn't always. There was a recent study that that looked at this exact issue looked at patients who had just completed their course of mycophenolate for lupus nephritis and were transferred to azathioprine. And I think that for the four to six months after the change in medication, Only 13% of patients flared on azathioprine. So for most patients, it seems that is okay and it will control them. There is this small percentage of patients where the azathioprine just may not be as good for them as the mycophenolate was. And then we need to think about other
0: options. What about some of the newer drugs? What do we know about their safety for the pregnant patient with lupus nephritis?
1: right now, um, standard therapy for lupus nephritis is either cyclophosphamide or mycophenolate. The other FDA-approved add-on drugs as of just this past year are uh, belimumab, which is a biologic medication that had been approved 10 years previously for non-renal lupus, but just recently approved for add-on therapy and voclosporin, which again was just recently approved as add-on therapy. So these two therapies are not, we don't know that they have an adverse effect. We just don't have the information yet. There is another drug, tacrolimus, and that drug is most commonly used for kidney transplant patients. Um, And they routinely continue that drug along with azathioprine throughout pregnancy. So we and others have used tacrolimus either in combination with azathioprine or even as monotherapy for patients who um, need additional meds or a different med during the course of their pregnancy. And again, that drug like azathioprine is felt to be compatible with pregnancy as well as with breastfeeding.
0: Join us for our next podcast with Dr. Samaritano as she discusses some of the complications that can arise during pregnancy for patients with lupus nephritis, whether active or quiescent, and how to manage those complications.